So it was Christmas. And what have you done? No, seriously, it's been Christmas. What have you done? <laughs> you probably had about the last 10 days of kicking the arse out of anything that is even remotely edible. Maybe some things that even aren't edible. But hey, it's the festive season. And as much as I spoke in the last episode about control and moderation, etc., by bringing those things in, at no point do I expect anybody, including myself, to adhere to them 100%. There is far too much ambiguity in the season, and there's far too much restriction we've had over the last couple of years for it to be absolutely kind of super duper control. The last podcast was more about just setting you up for a low level amount of control to ensure that the season didn't snowball too drastically like it has done previously for you. But here we are. It is the 2nd of January. All of the festive days are done and now it's time to turn our attention to the future. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 74 of the Moyes Health Podcast. And in this one, we are talking about excuses. And we are talking about time management and pretty much everything you need to possibly set yourself up for success going forwards into this brand new year. Now, of course, I am well aware that there is still plenty of covidity amongst us. There are still elements and restrictions, etc. that we have in our lives. But I'm going to disregard those or disregard them to a point with what we're talking about here. Because let's face it, you're still eating. You can still move. Gyms are still open. So what the fuck are you whinging about? Let's focus on what we are able to control rather than elements in the world that we can't or worse, bringing fear into it and focusing on something that hasn't happened yet as far as lockdowns, etc. go, or restrictions, which may not happen. Of course, it might, and this podcast may age very badly. But at this moment in time, there are no restrictions, with the exception of just being sensible, get your booster, maintain social distance when appropriate, look after yourself and others, wipe down your gym equipment after you finish using it, and of course, wear a mask when you are in close proximity. But that's it. I am leaving the COVID side of things there because we are turning our attention to the beginning of the year. What is for most the most, I guess, focused month of the year because everybody's doing it. Everybody's going left, right and centre, restricting themselves in all manner of methods from dry January to no takeaways to no chocolate and a fucking plethora of different things in between. But I'm going to kick off first and foremost by saying, please, please, please. Don't be a dickhead. If you've been listening to these podcasts or have any clue about what I do, please don't go down that extreme restriction route. What's going to happen is, yes, you may see some temporary results if you're lucky enough and disciplined and resilient enough to actually adhere to the restrictive protocol. But when all of that stuff comes back in, as it inevitably will, because who's removing alcohol, takeaways, chocolate, etc. from their life long term... All that's going to happen is you've not fixed your relationship with those things. You've just fucked them off for a few weeks. So do me a favor. I know you've kicked the ass out of the biscuit tin in December. I know you've kicked the ass out of chocolate and takeaways and rich foods and alcohol. But it is not the time now to suddenly take it out of your diet. Because it's going to come back in and it's probably going to come back in with a with a bang. What happens when we finish a period of restriction? Hey, I'm not restricted on that thing anymore. Order me a takeaway. Get the booze in. So don't pursue dry January. 
The only people that should be giving up alcohol are alcoholics. Or, of course, if you are borderline and you have a damaging relationship with alcohol. But that's another podcast completely. My point is, go into this year working smart with what you do when it comes to transformation, when it comes to your waistlines, when it comes to becoming a better, stronger, wiser version of yourself. Don't go down the route of extremes or go down the route of quick fixes because I promise you, you will pay for it later. But anyways, heading back into what this podcast is all about. It's a brand new year and that old saying that comes around every year, new year, new me or new year, new you is what comes out of most people's lips. And I say lips, it actually comes out of their fingers in terms of typing on a keyboard because where do we see it most? Facebook, Instagram. This is my year. Well, no, it's not, unless you're actually going to do something about it. Because the problem is people like to talk a lot and they like to tell everybody their grandiose plans and broadcast to the world. This is the year I'm going to do it. But they spend much more time focusing on other people's thoughts, much more time focusing on what other people are doing and much more time telling people about what they're going to do rather than putting any potential plans into action. And so first and foremost, to kick off this podcast, that's what I would encourage you to do. This year, less talky-talky, more action. Stop telling everybody what you're up to. Stop announcing to the world that it's your year because A, no one gives a shit and B, it's not actually getting you closer to where you want to be. So that is the first thing. We need to make sure going forwards into this year, we are not just putting pen to paper, but we're following up the pen to paper with actual actions. And with those actions comes reflection. You are not going to get it right the first time, second time, third time, fourth time, or even fifth time. And to be honest, I've got a podcast coming up on this one, so I'm going to stop that particular train of thought right there. But my point is that you are going to need to constantly reassess what you are doing, reflect upon what's worked and what hasn't worked, and adapt your plan. It's not as simple as just, this is what I'm going to do, thanks very much, see you later. Because trust me, if that was the case then I wouldn't really have a job with coaching, would I? The whole point of coaching is that we put a plan in place, we have an action, we have things that we need to do, we have a direction, but things change. Life changes. How we feel changes. We might wake up one morning, be absolutely on it for the gym and rise at stupid o'clock in the morning, which we'll touch on more later. But then the following day, you might be like, oh, I can't be bothered, why have I done that? We change how we feel day to day. We are very emotional creatures. And so it's important that whatever we do, we're empathetic to that fact. And we're adapting what we're doing to suit who we are as individuals, as opposed to just going one hit wonder, this is the plan, follow through on it. Don't get me wrong. There needs to be a plan and we need to be resilient to know when to adapt and when to just get on with it. But it is important to understand that adaptation sorry, is a key part of this journey. Because, and that leads me quite nicely round to the main topic of this podcast, everything is an excuse. Believe me, I've been doing this job a long time, as both PT in a general sense, and of course, as online coach. 
And when you're dealing with people, when you're dealing with individuals, especially a plethora of individuals with different personalities, different lives, different experiences, histories, and different levels of resilience, you hear pretty much every excuse there is under the sun. And let me tell you, everything can be an excuse if you choose for it to be. The thing is, let's take your goals back to bare bone basics for a second. Let's take fat loss, which is probably the primary reason a lot of you are listening to this podcast, because after all, it is what I specialize in. You're looking to lose your body fat. So what do you need to do? Well, firstly, you need to go back and listen to Fat Loss 101, a podcast I recorded earlier last year, detailing the general science. You listen to that? Okay, good. Let's continue. So as you will have learned from Fat Loss 101, hopefully you paused it there and went back and listened to it. You need to be in a caloric deficit or an energy deficit to get your body to reduce body fat. It's got nothing to do with what you consume from a choice perspective and everything down to basically just energy. You can think of it very much like your bank balance. And so firstly, we need to make sure we are in a caloric deficit, both by making sure that we burn enough calories through our day-to-day movement, not necessarily just through exercise, as a lot of people think. And of course, ensuring that we are reducing the calories that we are intaking. The same thing goes for if you want to save money. You stop spending so much and you also try to earn more. In fat loss terms, you earn more through more movement and you stop spending by reducing the calories that you're spending on food. Okay, we got that? Marvellous. Moving on. That is the simple fact of fat loss. That is all you need to do. Just be consistent with it. Hence why I speak so much about sustainability and taking an approach which you can actually adhere to and be consistent with. And so if that is what you have to do, then everything else in your life is all down to choice and experience. And what I mean by that is that is a very simple protocol to adhere to. You need to make sure that you reduce your intake calorically. Nothing extreme, but got to reduce it and that you make sure you move. Pretty much every circumstance you will ever come across in life, and I mean every circumstance, every emotional roller coaster, every trial, tribulation that you go through, those protocols are still adherable. You can still move and you can still control your caloric intake. Now, there may be some protocols where you can't move, but you can still control your caloric intake. There'll be some protocols where maintaining control specifically of how many calories you're consuming is difficult in individual circumstances, but not over the course of an entire week or multiple weeks. And so those two elements, in other words, to blanket it under one approach, creating a deficit is something which is pretty much always adherable. It's always possible. You are in control of what goes in your mouth and you are in control of how much you move. And I'm not just talking about steps here, folks. I'm talking about general lifestyle movement. Now, there are things that hamper us as individuals, such as the job that we do. But regardless, that principle of creating a caloric deficit is still adherable. Now, of course, we use apps and things to track our calories. And these things can be a little bit ambiguous in terms of their usage. Sometimes you might be in a situation to use it, other times not. But a lot of the time when it comes down to the tools we use to maintain the deficit 
a lot of the time it comes down to excuse. It's not that we can't track our calories, it's that we're choosing not to. It's not that we can't exercise, it's that we're choosing not to. And this is where time management comes into play as well. We all have a lot of time. We all have a certain cognitive bias about the amount of sleep that we need and the amount of downtime that we need and the amount of time we need to dedicate for things which aren't necessarily important for the overall goal. However, we all massively underestimate the time available to us and massively underestimate our capability. Now, to elaborate on this further, as some of you, most of you will hopefully know, I have triplets. They're five now. But five years ago, when they first came along, obviously it was a shock. There's a podcast on this one as well, funnily enough. It was a massive shock. Now, I'm, I'm not someone that's ever really been able to get by on low sleep. But when the kids came along, it opened up a choice. And what I mean by that is I was never prepared to be a non-hands-on dad. It is not down to Rachel to look after the kids. I am not a chauvinist in that sense. It's 50-50. We are both responsible for them. And so even though before the kids came along with two very, very busy jobs with my personal training and then also working for uh, for a company as well, I didn't have a huge amount of time. So I'd already begun kind of dipping my toe into the water when it came to early morning training. And so I was a little bit used to it, but nothing to the extremes that I would have to go to in due course. Triplets came along and we managed to get them into a, a good sleeping routine overnight through persistence, through resilience, being absolutely knackered. They showed us what we were truly capable of in terms of sleep. So the first realization was understanding how little you can get by on and still be okay. This first came in the form of sleep. Bugger all sleep was happening most nights, especially when there was William and Polly on three hourly feeds, Penelope was on two hourly feeds, and yeah, you could tell the maths on that one didn't work. So we were knackered, but it showed me what I was truly capable of because I was still going out and doing my personal training. I was still doing my own physical training on myself and I'll touch more on that in a second and I was still going out to work as well. I was still fully capable of achieving and doing the things I needed to do because I made them compulsory. They had to be done, had to earn money, had to go and you know service my clients, had to make sure that I still went to work, had to keep my own training up for my own kind of peace of mind, self-esteem, whatever you want to call it. And of course, I had to look after the kids too. So they were non-negotiables. So therefore, I was in a position where it's a case of, you've got to do these things, Moisey, so find the time. Now, the only time I could find was early morning. And I mean really early morning because I'd usually have a client about 6.30 in the morning. I would then obviously get home, feed the babes, get myself sorted, go out to work until about five o'clock, standard nine to five. And then it would be a case of more clients in the evening, usually two. So six till seven, seven till eight, or 5.30 till 6.30, 6.30 till 7.30, etc. So there was no time in there for me to train. There wasn't an opportunity and I wasn't prepared to, going to, to be one of those trainers that trained with their clients all the time. I was lucky enough to have a particular client at the time where he wanted to train with me and he was more motivated to do that but 
I digress. My point was that my consistent training, the majority of it, 90% was solo. Otherwise, that 10% wouldn't have mattered. As I said to you guys previously, frequency, consistency is what's important. So you're not going to get a lot from a couple of sessions. So what was the plan? Well, I still needed to train. So there was only one available opportunity to do so. I wasn't prepared to leave the kids in the sense of, you know, Rach, you sort it, apart from the hours where I had no choice when I was working for somebody else. And so I made the decision of I've got to train early. I've got to get myself out of bed and I've got to get up and I've got to train. And I did. Every morning, 5.15, 5.30 till 6.30 and then my first client comes in and that was my day. And I settled into that routine. Did I want to train at 5.30 in the morning? Oh, my days, no. Believe me, when you're awake pretty much most of the night, the last thing you want to do when that alarm goes off is get up what is probably an hour or 45 minutes after you've actually gone to bed to then get yourself to the gym again. Now, of course, this got easier with time, with the triplets sleeping better and sleeping more through the night, reduced feeds, etc., because they were on uh, scheduled feeding, not demand feeding. But my point was that I needed to get it done, and so I found the time to get it done. So firstly, like I said, the trio taught me about true tiredness. I had that contrast to then go, you know what? I know what I'm capable of. I know how little I can get by on. So anytime I got a little bit of extra sleep, it was a case of glass was very much half full. That's a bonus. But my point was my time management was in a position where I have to find the time. This shit needs to get done. I've got to find that time. This also takes me back uh, to briefly digress to when I went to work for Harvester, when I left the gym for a little bit to just test my management skills in a different arena. And I really enjoyed it, but they had something in Harvester called AFDs. And I think, forgive me, I've spoken about this on the podcast before. If you're an avid listener, you may have heard this story. And we had AFDs, which were basically 8 o'clock in the morning, right the way through to 1am, because, well, they were called AFDs all fucking day. And you had to do deliveries in the morning, set up for breakfast, then you had obviously the lunchtime, then you had the evening, and then you had to close down the restaurant as well. I don't really know how it was legal, but it happened. And I've never been more physically tired than then. The triplets taught me about mental tiredness, mental fatigue, and obviously physical tiredness too. But Harvester taught me about physical tiredness, about being on your feet like that long was, oh, it was painful. It was properly painful. But again, it was another example of contrast. So it taught me about the physical tiredness. It taught me about the mental tiredness. And then going forwards, I've spoken about previously as well, a big deficit that I did when I tested myself in terms of how low calories can I consistently adhere to because I had it locked in my head. I couldn't go below 2,200. I genuinely needed them. And I ended up adhered to 1,700 one day and then 1,500 the next day. And I damn well since have adhered to less calories than that. Not consistently in terms of like weeks on end or multiple days on end, but it has taught me as well that contrast of you can get by on less if you need it. And so on certain days, if I have a particularly overzealous calorie day, as though it may, may be far from optimal, on occasion, I will dramatically have low calories on one particular day. Claws the calories back for the week, guarantees the average that I'm chasing, jobs are good. And is it something I would recommend? No. But as I said, 
all of the experience I've had with Harvester, with the triplets, and of course with that particular experiment on that particular deficit, all of these things have given me that contrast. And contrast is massively important when it comes to your growth as an individual because you need to have times of your life to compare against to show yourself you've worked harder than this. You've been more tired than this. You've been more fatigued than this. It's vital that you have that experience to draw from to be able to be successful when times get hard because you can always say to yourself, no, 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 the glass is half full. It's not as hard as it has been. And emotional circumstances are like this too. We can often find ourselves in some of the, the worst, worst things we've ever been through. Take bereavement for an example. With COVID and with the way the last couple of years have gone, I've had so many clients that have gone through bereavement, all experiencing it in very different ways and all dealing with it in very different ways. And the thing that I draw from most when I look upon each of these individual journeys is the way that they dealt with it. And some people refuse to let it get in. And for any of you that follow me on Instagram, you'll know that I'm a big fan of the Daily Stoic. It's basically just a book which where it has kind of, I don't want to say a quote a day, but it has a stoicism per day to help you self-reflect. And that's kind of what stoicism is just all about, self-reflection and becoming the best version of yourself. And on this one particular day, forgive me, can't remember what day it is, it speaks about creating a fortress of solitude in your own mind. No, I'm not talking about Superman's base of operations. What I mean is that you create this I don't want to say prison, but this fortress inside your own mind. And within that fortress, you place the things which are the most important to get done. Things which are non-negotiables. No matter what happens, this shit is getting done. And nothing that I go through in my life will impact these things. And everybody places different things within their own fortress of solitude. Some people's fortresses are strong, some are weak, etc. And through seeing a plethora of, of clients go through bereavement, which obviously is, is gutting to see, the way that certain people were able to go, nope, doesn't matter what's happening, this is my anchor, this is my thing which I'm going to continue to focus on because I can control this and it's a healthy outlet for my emotions. I can get in the gym, I can sweat it out and I can, I can still keep control of this in spite of the fact that I'm overwhelmed with this emotion. And you yourself listening to this may very well have gone through bereavement. And I would actively encourage you, although it's such a painful thing to draw from, I would really encourage you to look at the way that you dealt with it and look at how you can grow stronger from that experience. Because although it is painful to, to look back on or to revisit, you're not, it's not going to be the only time you experience bereavement. You're going to go through it again at some stage. It's an inevitable part of life. We all are. We're going to experience a, a litany of bereavement throughout our lives. And the problem is during something like a, a pandemic, etc., or especially as we get later on in life, bereavement comes more frequently. And so I'm using this as an example. Obviously, there's many more than just bereavement, but forgive me for keying into this particular one. My point is that by allowing everything we ever come up against or anything that triggers emotions within us, no matter how great, to always disturb 
our journey to become a better and stronger version of ourselves, we will never get there. Because each and every week, there will be something that comes into your life that disrupts it. Sometimes low levels, sometimes intermediate, sometimes in the most extreme circumstances. But if we don't place our own self-control and our own self-progression within our own fortress of solitude, an impregnable, nothing-can-touch-it fortress, then we are always going to falter. We are always going to stumble on the journeys that we are on. And that's where I noticed the difference between the clients that were able to keep their heads down and focus on what they wanted in spite of the magnificent pain they were going through and those which allowed it to cripple them. The difference was that the people that carried on were the ones that used it as their anchor where they recognize that relinquishing all of these habits and behaviors and allowing the emotion to overwhelm them wasn't going to bring the person back. It wasn't going to help anybody. If anything, it was going to do the opposite. They were going to feel worse for letting it all go. And the ones that allowed it to overwhelm them allowed the emotion to take hold too deeply, too far. Now, at this point, you're probably going, whoa, hang on, mate. Seriously, people were entitled to be emotional with a bereavement, etc. And I completely agree. My point is that you can feel and embrace those emotions without losing control. This is where so many people go wrong when it comes to emotional circumstances and emotions in general. They believe that being emotional and feeling those emotions and losing control are synergistic, that you can't have one without the other. If I'm going to be emotional, then I'm going to lose control. And the fact is that if you are training yourself and you are mindful of your flaws, shortcomings, etc., and you're using emotional experiences to strengthen your fortress of solitude, then you will find yourself in a position where even when something emotional comes along, you can feel those emotions, you can embrace those emotions, but they don't get the better of you. You still keep the wheels turning, even if lower level on the things which are important to you because you understand that you can do both. And as I said, this is where so many go wrong. Everything becomes a reason to stop doing what they're doing. Everything becomes a reason to stop tracking calories, to stop caring about what you consume, to stop exercising, to stop being mindful of movement or being mindful in general. Everything becomes a reason or an excuse to hang up the coat. Now, I'm not saying that for certain individuals, because again, this is a podcast going out to thousands of people, but my point is that each of you are individual. I'm not saying that you as an individual can't embrace those emotions and allow yourself an opportunity to hang up the coat or briefly pause anything that you're doing. My point is that if you lose yourself in the grief, if you lose yourself in the emotions of any circumstance you ever go through, then you will never become the person you want to become because the person you want to become is a person of control, a person of strength. And strength comes from experiencing these emotions, experiencing the highs and lows that life has to offer, but not losing that underlying foundation of who we are. 
And so if you go forwards into your life, allowing every circumstance, no matter how terrible to constantly disrupt you, then you won't become who you want to become. Because you're missing the point. It's not about tracking calories. It's not about deficits, etc. Yes, I'm well aware this podcast kicked off with talking about that. And yes, they are parts of transformation. To transform mentally, we must transform physically and vice versa. But if you truly want to become that person of strength, then we must exercise that strength in every way, through every period of elation and every period of despair. Every emotional circumstance is another opportunity to make sure you keep your emotions on a leash. You enjoy them, you embrace them when times are amazing and you feel them and you embrace them when times are catastrophic. But losing yourself in them, allowing the circumstance to be yet another reason why you completely down tools on your own self-development is only ever going to stop you becoming the person you want to be. And so this is the reason why earlier on I was talking about my early morning routine and dealing with tiredness and dealing with fatigue, dealing with hunger. Because tiredness, fatigue, hunger, these three things are all very closely linked with emotions. But through experience, I'm able to feel the emotions that those individual circumstances bring, the tiredness, etc. And to understand that A, I've dealt with worse. And B, that adapting to the circumstance is far more productive than being overwhelmed by it and submitting to it. Everything will be an excuse if you allow it to be. You will never have time unless you make it. Or actually, as I prefer to say, you will never have time unless you find it. You have got 24 hours in each and every day. You don't need to sleep as long as you are sleeping. You don't need to watch Netflix as long as you are watching it. What no one ever seems to realize when I go on these talks, etc., is that I'm not saying get rid of Netflix. I'm not saying don't spend a substantial amount of time still watching your shows. I'm not saying get a shit night's sleep and join the early morning crowd for the fucking sake of it. I'm not saying get up at 5.30 in the morning and go and train like me because I train at that time of day because I can get back at 6.30 and I am there ready to embrace the kids when they wake up. I am there to do my bit to be dad. I'm not sacrificing or choosing. I'm doing both. I don't have to go, do I want to be dad this morning or do I want to go to the gym? I go to the gym, I come back and I be dad. Not only fulfilling my role as a partner to Rachel, but also doing my bit as a father, doing my bit. And that's what I want to get across to you, that everything will be an excuse if you allow it to be, even the time that you have in the day. In actual fact, that becomes one of the biggest excuses for people. If you don't have time to do the things that you want, more importantly, need to do, then find it. It's there. Adapt your day. Overhaul it if you need to. Again, make it sustainable. Make it something you can actually stick to. But stop falling into this trap of, no, I can't do that because of X. 
Trust me, folks. There was a time where I couldn't open my eyes before 7 a.m. And now I'm up at 5. In fact, in the past, if I've needed to be, I've been up at 4. My point is that don't allow these biases to control who you are going forwards because the transformation journey that you are on means that you must relinquish some of these biases. You have to adapt elements of your life. It's not just a case of temporarily doing things. If you want the changes in your life to stick, and I'm including the changes you're making for your waistline, then you've got to let go of some old behaviors. You've got to let go of elements of who you were, not begrudgingly, but thankfully. You've got to leave that person behind, but leave them behind because you're choosing to and you genuinely want to. I'm not going to be a person of excuses anymore. I'm going to get this shit done regardless because I don't want to be that person anymore. And I am happy to get up at 5.30 in the morning and go and train because that's who I want to be. That's a very specific example, but hopefully you get where I'm coming from. Be pleased, not begrudged to leave the bad behaviors, the biased mindset behind Embrace the person that you are becoming and embrace the new habits, the new behaviors, the new attitude that you are instilling. Trust me, if you'd asked my mum a few years ago, would Chris get up at 5.30 in the morning to go to the gym? She would say, hell no. In fact, rewind a few years before that. Would Chris go to the gym? Hell no. <laughs> we are not shackled to who we used to be. We're not ever shackled to who we were. You don't have to be the same person today as you were yesterday. So when it comes to this whole new year, new me bollocks, is it possible? Fuck yeah, it's possible. There's been multiple times over the past few years for me that it's been a new year and there's been a new me. That's the point. Adapt. Grow. Don't spend your time fucking telling Facebook about it. Actually get on with it. Get a plan. Put the wheels in motion. Get your ducks in a row. And adapt that plan as and when you need to. Not because of excuse. Don't allow excuses to get in the midst of things. Again, deal with circumstances with a way and conduct yourself in a way that you are happy with, which is fulfilling the oath of who you wish to be. Again, I've spoken about you know dealing with bereavement, etc. on here, but everybody is different. You will deal with every circumstance in your way, but be at peace with how you deal with that circumstance. That's what I'm trying to say. But recognize that if you've woken up in 2022 and you're not the person you wish to be, then you can make that a reality this year. You can be a new you. Genuinely be a new you. Not just a fucking bollocks statement. But to do it, it's going to take resilience. You're going to have to build your fortress of solitude in your own mind. That impregnable nothing is getting in here this shit is getting done regardless because otherwise you'll just find yet another excuse the next thing that comes along tomorrow or next week will be the excuse maybe even today sunday 2nd of january was today the day that you were supposed to get the wheels turning on your goal supposed to start maybe tracking again being mindful of what you're up to. And if you didn't, what was the excuse? What was the reason that you didn't? 
This is my point. If you constantly allow these excuses to run your life, you ain't ever gonna get to where you wanna get to. But if you finally say to yourself, I'm not doing that anymore. I know how that road goes. I know where that road leads. I know how that story ends. No, and you catch yourself before you make that decision, before you allow that excuse to alter your decision, then you will finally evolve. Then you will finally transform. So, folks, thanks for your time. A longer one, very long one this time around. But hopefully you've enjoyed this first podcast of 2022. And hopefully it's fired you up. Get the wheels turning. The person that enters Christmas 2022 is completely up to you. What you achieve this year in terms of your physique, in terms of your habits, in terms of your life, in terms of even the way that you think is completely within your control. It's up to you who walks into 2023.